MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, July 20th, 2020. Today, Senate Republicans eye subpoenas of Biden advisors in the Burisma probe. Fifteen women allege sexual harassment by members of a Washington NFL team. The Health and Human Services Inspector General has found Trump administration health officials violated federal contracting rules. Unmarked officers in rented vans are snatching protesters off the streets in Portland, and the attorney is suing. We learned Trey Gowdy was actually present at the Giuliani meeting about Venezuela with Benchkowski. The Pentagon goes behind Trump's back to abolish Confederate symbols. Trump's embarrassing Fox News interview. Pompeo says human rights policy must prioritize some rights over others. Roger Stone uses a racial slur during a radio interview. And Republicans seek to slash unemployment benefits during the COVID outbreak. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody, it's A.G., I cannot say that I've seen this many headlines over a weekend before. Uh, I'm going to do my best to get through them. Jordan Coburn is on vacation. I'll be solo today. Uh, but I'll be joined by Barb McQuaid for the interview. We're going to discuss impeachment, one of the elements of impeachment that people seem to be forgetting about, why it's important right now, especially right now. And then I'll be joined by Amanda Reader for the Good News Block. We do have, as you can tell by the intro, tons of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Of course, the lead story today is the heavily armed unmarked militants uh, snatching protesters off the streets of Portland, Oregon. From The Washington Post, uh, Friday, federal customs officials said that their agents had detained a demonstrator, uh, detained a demonstrator in Portland, Oregon, in a widely seen video circulating online that showed two men in apparent military garb taking a young man wearing all black into custody. Uh, defending the apprehension by describing the man as being suspected of attacking federal agents and property. Uh, This defense came as federal authorities were under criticism for their tactics uh, from elected officials, civil rights activists and demonstrators, including one in Portland who described being terrified during a similar encounter. In a statement on Friday, U.S. Customs and Border Protection said its agent had taken the agent or excuse me, had taken the action in the video and that they had information indicating the person in the video was suspected of assaults against federal agents or destruction of federal property. A similar encounter left Mark Pettibone, a 29-year-old demonstrator, shaken, and he told the Washington Post that in an interview. Pettibone said he was scared when the men in green military fatigues and generic police patches jumped out of an unmarked minivan early Wednesday. Pettibone said when several men in fatigues approached him, his first instinct was to run. Uh, He did not know whether the men were police or far-right extremists who frequently don military outfits and harass left-leaning protesters in Portland. In this account, the 29-year-old said he made it about half a block before he realized there would be no escape. Then he sank to his knees and he put his hands in the air. He says, I was terrified. Uh, It seemed like it was out of a horror sci-fi like a Philip K. Dick novel. It was like I was being preyed upon. Uh, He was detained and searched. One man asked if he had any weapons. He did not. They drove him to the federal courthouse and placed him in a holding cell. Two officers eventually returned uh, to read his Miranda rights and asked if he would waive those rights to answer a few questions. He did not. His detention, which was first uh, reported by Oregon Public Broadcasting, and videos of similar actions have raised alarm bells for many, including myself. Legal scholars question whether this detention passes constitutional muster. 
Uh, quote, arrests require probable cause that a federal crime has been committed. That is specific information indicating that the person likely committed the federal offense or a fair probability that the person committed a federal offense. That's according to Orrin Kerr. He's a professor at the University of California at Berkeley. And he told The Washington Post, if the agents are grabbing people because they may have been involved in protests, that is not probable cause. During a video news conference Friday, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler twice called the federal police in his city President, Trump, President Trump's personal army and said that he is joining a chorus of Oregon's elected officials and sending a clear message to Washington. Take your troops out of Portland. In response, Oregon Attorney General Alan Rosenblum has sued the Department of Homeland Security and other agencies late Friday night, alleging that federal law enforcement officers sent to Portland to suppress Black Lives Matter protests violates the Constitution by unlawfully detaining and arresting demonstrators without probable cause. In the lawsuit, Rosenblum asks for a restraining order to prevent agents with Homeland Security, U.S. Marshals Service, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, and the Federal Protection Service from making any further arrests. The lawsuit states that the uh, federal officers, quote, have been using unmarked vehicles to drive around downtown Portland, detain protesters and place them into the officers' unmarked vehicles, removing them from public without either arresting them or stating the basis for an arrest since at least Tuesday, July 14th. The identity of the officers is not known, nor is their agency affiliation, according to videos and reports that the officers in question wear military fatigues with patches simply reading police with no other identifying information. That's all from the lawsuit. Uh, the lawsuit also claims that such actions compel citizens who are, quote, reasonably afraid of being picked up and shoved into unmarked vans, possibly by federal officers, possibly by individuals opposed to the protests from exercising their First Amendment right to assembly. And the suit also claims the law enforcement violated Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights by seizing people without a warrant and denying them due process of law. So that's what's going on there. I we you know, we talked about this uh, over the weekend when we did our um, meet and greet uh, happy hour. I, I, this can't be constitutional. You have to be identified as what, who you are, why somebody's being arrested. And of course, you have to have probable cause. So now this is all in the lawsuit brought by the Attorney General Rosenblum there in um, Portland, Oregon. So we will keep you posted on on that very, very frightening uh, turn of events. Um, I feel like this is just sort of the testing ground um, for this to be put into use in more cities to crack down on the Black Lives Matter protests, which is what Trump said after emerging from his bunker um, and, you know, walking over to the uh, church by after gassing, tear gassing um, peaceful protesters in Lafayette Park. We have some more headlines today, including this one from The New York Times that says the Pentagon has sidestepped Trump to ban the Confederate flag. Think about that. Our Pentagon had to sneak this past the president. The Pentagon, without once mentioning the word Confederate, announced Friday that it's essentially banned displays of the Confederate flag on military installations around the world. Uh, in a very carefully worded memo, the De Department of Defense officials said they hoped uh, that memo would avoid igniting another defense of the flag from President Trump. Uh, in this memo, Mark Esper issued guidance that listed the types of flags that could be displayed on military installations, in barracks, on cars, and on signs. According to the guidance, appropriate flags include the American states and territories, uh, military service and other countries that are allies of the United States. The guidance never specifically says Confederate flags are banned, but they do not fit any of the approved categories, and such flags are prohibited. Problem solved, we hope, that's uh, one Defense Department official said on Friday, who spoke on the condition of anonymity so as not to anger the president. 
Uh, it's just that senior military leaders are contorting themselves to such an extent, this is from Politico, uh, that they're contorting themselves to such an extent to show the gap that has developed between the White House and the movement for racial justice that has swept across the country since the killing of George Floyd while in police custody in May in Minneapolis. Uh, as protests ignited, senior Defense Department officials began grappling with the legacy of racism in the military. And uh, speaking of legacies of racism, Roger Stone um, appeared on a radio program this weekend and used a racial slur uh, during an interview on The Mo Kelly Show. This is a program based at a Los Angeles radio station and hosted by Morris O'Kelly, known as Mo Kelly. On the show, Mr. O'Kelly questioned the role that Mr. Stone's relationship uh, and proximity to the president played in the commutation of his sentence. He asked... There are thousands of people treated unfairly daily. How your number just happened to come up in the lottery, I'm guessing it was more than just luck, Roger, right? And then Mr. Stone responded by muttering, I'm not arguing with this blank, and I'm not going to say the word. Um, it's it's a racial slur. Um, five letters long, beginning with N, uh, ending with O. Uh, and then the, the beginning of the sentence is kind of muddled, but you get the gist. Um, it sounded as Mr. Stone was not speaking directly to the phone, but either to himself or someone in the room with him. Then Mr. Uh, O'Kelly, Mo Kelly, asked him to repeat what he said. What What did you say? And Mr. Stone then was silent and then let out a long sigh and then remained silent for another 40 seconds, acting as if the connection had been severed. And then he vehemently denied that he used the slur. Um, I did not. You're out of your mind, he told the host. You can listen to it for yourself. It's out there. You can, you can Google it. Mo Kelly, Roger Stone. It's pretty clear. <laughs> uh, and a top Trump administration health official has violated federal contracting rules by steering millions of taxpayer dollars in the contracts that ultimately benefited Republican-aligned communications consultants. And that's according to the Inspector General report released on Thursday. The contracts, which were directed by Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Chief Seema Verma, were only halted after Politico uh, did an investigation that raised questions about their legality, and the agency had paid out more than $5 million to those contractors. There's a 70-page Health and Human Services Inspector General report, the result of a 15-month audit, and it calls on HHS and CMS, Centers for Medicare, uh, to take nine separate actions to address the significant deficiencies that it identified. Those actions include conducting a review of all the department's contracts and making a closer examination of whether CMS overpaid several of its contractors. The report paints a detailed portrait of Verma's use of federal contracts to install allies who manage high-priority projects and exercise broad authority within CMS while circumventing the agency's career officials and funding projects that uh, ethics experts have said wasted taxpayers' money. Sounds very familiar. This is part of the course. It happens all over the Trump administration with his appointees. The inspector general opened its probe in April 2019, days after that Politico report came out. Uh, the health department swiftly froze the contracts, and congressional Democrats have separately worked on an investigation into her spending. Uh, her contracts also became a vehicle to compensate multiple Re Republican communications operatives. At least eight former White House presidential transition and campaign officials for Donald Trump were ultimately hired as outside contractors to the federal health department at the cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. HHS spokesman and criminal Michael Caputo wouldn't comment on the findings, but instead attacked the inspector general. A quote, the president, vice president, and the secretary have enormous confidence in Verma and the great work she has done and will continue to do for the American people. But confidence in the inspector general? Not so much. Mm, yeah, mm, same old song and dance. Uh, who is the IG of the HHS, you ask? You know her. Her name's Christy Grimm.
she's already been effectively removed by Trump for her report about dire shortages uh, shortages of, of uh, medical equipment in, in the pandemic. He nominated another IG for the position, uh, but they have yet to be confirmed. So I would say her job is in trouble, but she's already being replaced for something else that she did uh, that, that came out against the Trump administration. And from the New York Times, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo delivered a divisive speech on Thursday calling for the United States to ground its human rights policy more prominently in religious liberty and property rights. Mr. Pompeo's speech at the National Constitution Center in Philadelphia came as he announced the release of a report created by a panel he commissioned last year to suggest how American human rights policy could better reflect the nation's founding principles, which he thinks are religion and property rights. It's important, this is him, it's important for every American and for every American diplomat to recognize how our founders understood unalienable rights. Foremost among these rights is property rights and religious liberty. Uh, human rights scholars have criticized Mr. Pompeo's panel since its inception, noting it was filled with conservatives who were intent on promoting views against abortion and marriage equality. Critics also warned that it sidestepped the State Department's internal bureau responsible for promoting human rights abroad. That just cut out the whole part, the whole... Uh, the whole bureau of uh, from the State Department that's you know responsible for promoting human rights just just sidestep that we'll go with my what I think property rights religious liberties anyway we'll be right back with the Senate investigation into Joe Biden the GOP trying to take your unemployment away uh, Trump's embarrassing interview on Fox with Chris Wallace and my impeachment discussion with Barb McQuaid comes later in the show stay with us after these messages we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunsoil CBD. As you know, CBD is really popular right now. It's in all kinds of stuff, from coffee to supplements to even dog treats. It's popping up in everything. But how do you know what's good and what's not, and what works, and how much you're taking, and who you can trust? Uh, those were some of the questions I had, and Sunsoil had all the answers. Uh, transparency and quality control are what set Sunsoil apart from the rest. With Sunsoil, you know what's in every bottle and exactly where it came from. There's no second guessing because they only use ingredients you can understand and trust. Most of their products have just two ingredients, organic hemp and organic coconut oil. They farm all their own hemp in their Green Mountain Farms of Vermont and extract the CBD themselves. They test for quality and purity at every step of the way. It's fully transparent. They never use pesticides, herbicides, or GMOs. And because Sunsoil does everything in-house and keeps their products simple, they can offer the highest quality CBD at really, really unbeatable prices. In fact, Sunsoil products are about half the price of other ingestible CBD brands. Every Sunsoil product is USDA organic, including their oil drops, soft gels, capsules, and coconut oil. I like to put a few of the oil drops in my morning coffee or sometimes after a workout in a smoothie. Um, sometimes I take one of, one of the soft gels at night before I get some great sleep. And one of the greatest things about Sunsoil is because it's the largest CBD manufacturer to partner with 1% for the planet, they will be donating 1% of Sunsoil's annual sales to help environmental nonprofits that do good for people, plants, and the planet. Sunsoil removes all the guesswork by making pure and simple CBD products at unbeatable prices. Get 30% off your first order by going to sunsoil.com slash dailybeans. That's S-U-N-S-O-I-L dot com slash dailybeans for 30% off your first order. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, as you probably have already heard, uh, Trump gave an interview to Chris Wallace on Fox. And uh, it's pretty embarrassing for, for Donald Trump. I keep feeling like... If anybody at the White House really, you know, had his back, they wouldn't let him do these interviews like this. Um, but but he was there. Uh, first, first thing, first, they got into a fight um, because Trump said we have one of the lowest, we have the lowest mortality rate. And Wallace said, no, we are, we are, we're number seven. Uh, let's listen to that clip. 
one that did the European Union very early. But when you talk about mortality rates, I think it's the opposite. I think we have one of the lowest mortality it's rates true, in the sir. world. We, well, we, we're going to we take a, a look. We had 900 deaths on a single day. We will this, take a look. This week. Ready? I, you, you can uh, check you it out. Can you please get me the mortality rate? Yeah. Kaylee's right here. I heard we had one of the lowest, maybe the lowest mortality I, rate anywhere in the world. Do you have the numbers, please? Because I heard we had the best mortality rate. Number number one low mortality rate. I hope you show the scenario because it shows what fake news is all about. Okay, okay go I don't ahead. think I'm fake news. So as it turns out, Fox was using Johns Hopkins data uh, to say we were seventh uh, in the world for mortality. But the White House was giving Trump a graph from the European CDC that had several countries missing that were they're doing better than us that were just missing from the data including russia and it appears that the white house aides lie to the president to to keep him calm i guess or make him think he's right it's it's insane uh trump also told chris wallace that many cases shouldn't be counted saying they just have the sniffles it's nothing 99.7 percent get over it uh they shouldn't be counted as covid cases Uh, which shows his total misunderstanding of this pandemic. And when asked about the number of deaths, he said, it is what it is. That's that's his response to 140,000 people dead. Then with regards to masks and asked why he wouldn't wear one early on, citing that the CDC says if everyone wore a mask for a month, we could get this thing under control. Trump said, Dr. Fauci said, don't wear a mask. The Surgeon General says not to wear a mask. But I leave it up to the governors. And then he said some governors are more mask into and some don't agree, and and then, again, threatened to defund schools if they didn't open. More mask into. I, uh, instead of saying some are more pro-mask and some, some are you know, more pro-freedom or whatever. You could spin it any way you want. You could use actual words. Uh, but he says some are more mask into. I'm going to start using that. You know, I, I think I'm more, mm, you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like, I'm, I'm more Star Trek into than, than Star Wars, if that makes sense. Then Wallace asked about Trump's threat to veto the NDAA if it allows army bases name, uh, named after Confederate leaders to be renamed. He'll veto the whole freaking thing. Uh, and here's that clip right here. Cancel culture. The National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, you have threatened to veto it. Because in the bill, and this is supported by Republicans as well as Democrats, it would rename army bases named for Confederate generals. Now, this is a bill that funds military operations. It gives soldiers a pay raise. Yeah. You're going to veto no, that? because they'll get their pay raise. Hey, look, don't tell me this. I got soldiers the biggest pay raises in the history of our, Understood. Of our military. I got soldiers, brand new equipment, brand new jets, brand new rockets, brand new 2.5 trillion. I did more for the military than any president that's ever had this you're office. Veto this because thing? I think that Fort Bragg, Fort Robert and Lee, all of these forts that have been named that way for a long time, decades and decades. But the military says they're excuse for me. this. Excuse me. I don't care what the military says. I do. I'm supposed to make the decision. Fort Bragg is a big deal. We won two world wars. Nobody even knows General Bragg. We won two world wars. Go to that community where Fort Bragg is in a great state. I love that state. Go to go to the community. Say, how do you like the idea of renaming Fort Bragg? And then what are we going to name it? You're going to name it after the Reverend Al Sharpton? What are you going to name it, Chris? Tell me what you're going to name it. So there's a whole thing here. We won two world wars. 
two world wars, beautiful world wars that were vicious and horrible, and we won them out of Fort Bragg. We won them out of all of these forts that now they want to throw those names away. Then take a listen to Chris Wallace uh, reading breaking Fox News polls to Trump. Let's listen to that clip. Mr. President, you'll be happy to know that Fox News has a new poll out today, and you're going to be the very first person to hear about it. In the national horse race, Joe Biden leads you by eight points, 49% to 41. That's, I think, three, four points slimmer than it was a month ago. And on the issues, people trust Biden more to handle the coronavirus by 17 points, on race relations by 21 points, and even on the economy, they trust Biden more by one point. I understand we still have more than 100 days to this election, but at this point, you're losing. First of all, I'm not losing because those are fake polls. They were fake in 2016, and now they're even more fake. The polls were much worse in 2016. They interviewed 22% Republican. Well, how do you do 22% Republican? You see what's going on. Uh, I have other polls that put me leading, and we have polls where I'm leading. I have a poll where we're leading in every swing state. And and then uh, here he <laughs> Here's the uh, the cognitive test, which I'm sure you've all seen copies of. It's on the Internet now. Uh, and one thing I want to say about the cognitive test, it's really important. I mean, what, you know, it's funny we can laugh about is, you know, t- is this a picture of an elephant? Is this a snake? Uh, what day is it? What time is it? Um, we should be asking why Trump's doctors felt he needed a cognitive test uh, of, in the first place. But let's listen to that to that clip real quick. Whose mind is sounder? Biden beats you in that. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's take a test. Let's take a test right now. Let's go down. Joe and I will take a test. Let him take the same test that I took. Incidentally, I took the test, too, when I heard that you passed it. Yeah, how did it's you not do the it? Har- well, it's not the hardest test. No, but the it last... It has a picture, and it says, what's that? And it's an elephant. No, no, no. You see, that's all misrepresentation. Well, that's what it was on the web. It's all misrepresentation. Because, yes, the first few questions are easy. But I'll bet you couldn't even answer the last five questions. I'll bet you couldn't. They get very hard, the last five well, questions. Well, one of them was count back from 100 by 7. And let me tell you, you couldn't answer, you couldn't answer All right, what's the question? many of the questions. I'd get you the test. I'd like to give it. But right. I guarantee you that Joe Biden could not answer those questions. Okay. okay? Uh, you, and you I answered about- all 35 questions correctly. And finally, this is what I think is probably the bombshell from the interview. This is the most frightening part of the interview where Trump refuses to say that he'll accept the election results and that vote by mail will rig the election. Frank Fogluzzi and I talked about this on Friday's show. You'll remember we talked about him laying the groundwork to say that the election was rigged and China interfered in our election by by hacking our mail system, so to speak. And this is how he will try to hold on to power. So let's listen to that clip. You don't know until you see. It depends. I think mail-in voting is is going to rig the election. I really do. Uh, Are you suggesting that you might not accept the results of the election? I have to see. Look, Hillary Clinton asked me the same thing. No, I asked you the same thing in the debate. There is a tradition in this country. In fact, one of the prides of this country is the peaceful transition of power and that no matter how hard fought a campaign is, that at the end of the campaign, that the loser concedes to the winner, not saying that you're necessarily going to be the loser or the winner, but that the loser concedes to the winner and that the country comes together in part for the good of the country. Are you saying you're not prepared now to commit to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. Well, okay? Chris. And you know what? She's the one 
that never accepted her. I agree. Her. She never accepted her loss, and but she it, looks like can a you give a, Can you give a direct answer? You will accept the election? I have to see. Look, you. I have to see. No, I'm not going to just say yes. I'm not going to say no, and I didn't last time either. So I think the only defense against this, um, for him doing this, is to share this, to tell everyone that you know about it. I feel extremely helpless about it. I think it's our only weapon. Um, knowledge about it is, is the only weapon we have against it. Um, so definitely, you know, keep sharing that. Keep tweeting it out. Um, make sure everyone that you know knows that that's Trump's plan. Uh, we have some more headlines today. A Senate committee is eyeing subpoenas for current and former advisors to Joe Biden as part of an investigation into the former vice president's son. Um, this is an escalation of GOP scrutiny of the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee and his family. As you know, they've been on this. They won't let it go, uh, even though it's been debunked a zillion bazillion times. Uh, the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, uh, chaired by Senator Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, is still working to secure witness depositions voluntarily, but the negotiations have faltered in recent weeks, according to people familiar with the matter. Johnson is seeking testimony from former Deputy Secretary of State Antony Blinken, uh, a senior foreign policy advisor on Biden's campaign, former special envoy for international energy Amos Hochstein, and former senior State De uh, Department officials Victoria Newland and Catherine Novelli. The panel has also scheduled an interview with David Wade, the former chief of staff to Secretary of State John Kerry, but the committee views testimony from Blinken and Hochstein uh, in particular as critical for its forthcoming report on allegations surrounding Hunter Biden's role on the board of Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company. The subpoena uh, could be authorized as soon as Wednesday when the committee holds its next business meeting. The current agenda does not list actions related to the Burisma investigation, though that could change. In other news, the NFL team from Washington, I'm not going to say their name, has launched an internal investigation after 15 former female employees and two journalists who covered the team accused team staffers of sexual harassment and verbal abuse. Uh, the allegations were first reported by the Washington Post on Thursday. Uh, they obtained screenshots of text messages uh, in Richard Mann the second, that's the team's assistant director of pro personnel, when he made inappropriate sexual comments to female, a female employee. Mann was fired in the past week. Uh, former employees also accused Larry Michael, the team's former senior vice president of content and play-by-play -play announcer, of talking about the attractiveness of a college intern in 2018 when he was being recorded for a team video. That's according to the Washington Post. And he retired on Wednesday. Uh, and get this, get this. Our Mueller She Wrote listeners will remember this story. Uh, the story of Rudy Giuliani meeting with Brian Benchkowski, the former head of the criminal division at Maine Justice, asked, you know, met, met to ask him to give a break to one of his top level secret clients. Uh, I thought it was for Tosh, but as it turned out, that client was um, Alejandro Betancourt Lopez, a Venezuelan. Barr was at the meeting as well, but Justice Department officials at the time said he was just dropping by. Uh, he wasn't, uh, you know, planning to be at that meeting. But according to newly disclosed documents from a FOIA lawsuit, the, uh, Barr was scheduled to be there and planning it for a while. And guess who else was there? Trey Gowdy. Trey Gowdy was there. And these documents came, as I said, from a result of a FOIA suit from American Oversight. Again, we had thought that the Giuliani client they were meeting about was for Tosh. But in these documents, uh, get this, uh, they show that Barr met with DeGeneva in a different meeting to ask him to intervene on behalf of... Uh, of, of Fertosh. So there was a meeting about Fertosh, but it was from DeGeneva, whose wife, Victoria Tonsing, represents him, Fertosh. Uh, Fertosh, of course, uh, likely funded the, the Parnas and Fruman show and Giuliani to get dirt on Biden. Uh, we haven't seen any indictments in these cases yet. Of course, we will keep you posted. But of course, you know, Jeffrey Berman has since left his post, although 
um, the deputy U.S. attorney uh, in in the Southern District of New York took took his place. Audrey Strauss. He 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 made sure of that before he left. He he refused to leave after Barr said he was going to resign. You remember that whole kerfuffle. That one of the cases is in that um, office. And then finally, Republicans seek to slash unemployment. Of course, right in the middle of the COVID outbreak. This is from the Washington Post. President Trump sought to draw a hard line on the coronavirus relief bill on Sunday, saying it must include a payroll tax cut and liability protections for businesses. Um, And uh, Trump also said we need some kind of immunity in the bill. Uh, Senate leader, uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has repeatedly insisted the legislation must must include that liability protection for businesses, health care providers, schools and others. Democrats oppose that. And Senate Republicans are exploring new limits on emergency unemployment benefits um, for people who were high earners before losing their jobs. According to two people who spoke on the condition of anonymity, uh, they told The Washington Post uh, about this plan from from the Senate Republicans. If the White House and Senate GOP uh, priorities make it into the bill, the legislation would effectively cut taxes for people who have jobs while cutting benefits for the unemployed. McConnell is expected to introduce the approximate $1 trillion stimulus bill in the coming days, uh, and it will include a limited extension to those federal unemployment benefits approved by Congress in March. Those benefits are set to expire as soon as this week. But GOP lawmakers have discussed proposing the, the federal benefit be cut from that $600 per week to between two and $400 per week. The lower number is viewed as the likelier outcome in their bill, although aides caution negotiations are fluid and details remain in flux. As we know, House Democrats passed a bill last May, this just past May, that would ex- that would have extended the $600 per week threshold through January of next year. Uh, that bill would increase spending by roughly $3 trillion, and Trump threatened to veto it, so it never even got brought up in, in the Senate. White House officials and GOP lawmakers have argued the current benefit creates a disincentive to work. It must be phased out because they say Americans can make more money while collecting unemployment than by working. All right. I know uh, that it seems there isn't a political appetite right now in the public discourse uh, for impeachment, a second impeachment of Donald Trump. That there's a very important element included in impeachment uh, and that's covered by the Banishment Clause in Article 1, Section 3 of the Constitution. And I'll be discussing that with former U.S. Attorney Barb McQuaid after this break. You don't want to miss it. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. I'd like to thank our sponsor, FitBod, for supporting the Daily Beans podcast. Whether you're new to the gym or you've been lifting weights for years, it can be hard to find the right workout program and stick to it. But with FitBod, you can get a truly personalized fitness program that adapts as you go. FitBod is a smart fitness app that takes all the guesswork out of planning your workouts. FitBod's algorithm factors in your goals, experience level, equipment, workout duration, and muscle recovery to intelligently craft the perfect total body workout program just for you. With each workout, the app learns your abilities and plans workouts designed to maximize your results. I love that FitBod cycles new exercises into the mix. I really appreciate that. Keeps my workouts fun and fresh. Uh, They keep it balanced, too. They never overwork a muscle group, so I'm not too sore, and I always have time for that recovery. Uh, Because there's so much variety and the workouts are constantly changing and rotating, I never get bored. And I've stuck with it much longer than I do with normal exercise programs because of that, because they keep it fresh. And with FitBot, I'm always looking forward to the next workout. I already can tell uh, I can see the results. Uh, So FitBot is super easy to use and even has an HD video tutorials uh, that make learning new exercises a breeze. It's perfect for anyone who's looking to get better fitness results, whether your goal is general fitness, strength training, muscle tone, bodybuilding, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, that's me. I'm in the Olympic weightlifting goal category. Uh, no equipment? Don't worry about it. They have uh, body weight routines, so you can get fit at home or on the go. It integrates with other fitness apps like um, apps like uh, Health, Apple Health, and Fitbit and Strava. 
Uh, personalized training can be tough on the budget, but FitBod's only $9.99 a month or $59.99 a year. Get personalized fitness plans uh, that help you work out smarter at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. Try FitBod for free for one month when you sign up today at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. That's one month when you sign up for free at fitbod.me slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today to talk impeachment is former U.S. attorney and MSNBC legal analyst Barb McQuaid. Barb, welcome back. Thanks, A.G. Glad to be with you. It's been a while since I've talked to you. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing fine. You know, um, I uh, have a lot of concern about all of the challenges we're facing with COVID and uh, unrest and police brutality. But in terms of my personal well-being, I'm doing just fine. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And recently you penned a piece for Just Security about impeaching Trump again. Um, there are many, including, I presume, Jerry Nadler, who might not have an appetite for it leading up to the election, though we have argued your duty is your duty, regardless of political appetite. But you're talking about it in a different way, which is through the lens of Article 1, Section 3. Can you explain? Yeah, I think when we think about impeachment, we think about it as solely for the purpose of removing the president from office. And certainly it does have that provision, but it also has a provision that one of the consequences of impeachment is disqualification to hold and enjoy any office. And so even if we feel like um, maybe we're, we've got uh, impeachment fatigue or we're close to the election, so what's the point anyway? Um, I think there's a very important point. Impeachment and removal of office for President Trump would prevent him from running for office again. So even if he loses in November, he could come back from the dead like a zombie in 2024. But if he's impeached and removed, he could be barred forever from becoming president again. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I assume you can't impeach a president once he's no longer president. But what, like the lame duck session, like you're talking about, when he's still president but has been voted out, do you think we'd be able to get the votes in the Senate or or it would seem less political after an election? Yeah, so I think you're right in your premise. You know, Matt Gates uh, of Florida has called for um, an investigation to impeach President Barack Obama, for example, um, now you know, long after he's out of office. I don't think that can be the case because the language of the Constitution says the president, vice president, and civil officers of the United States uh, can be removed by impeachment. So I think it has to be sitting um, officials. Uh, but I, even though we saw in January the Republican Senate um, have uh, no interest in voting to convict with some limited exceptions, Mitt Romney, uh, one of them. Um, I think that it might look very different if this were done in November after Trump loses the election. I think the Republican senators might be like rats running from a ship. They may be very eager to demonstrate their distance from President Trump by voting to convict him following an impeachment. And so uh, what you could see is a vote um, in uh, November or December, um, not to remove Trump from office. I mean, he could be impeached and removed, but to bar him, to disqualify him from serving as president in the future. And, and you think that election or maybe an impeachment after that election would give them an off ramp that they could convince others they didn't see before? Like, oh, well, now this is a different story. We are happy to convict on this. Like, I mean, I don't know how they would spin it. I mean, they, they're really good at spinning everything. But Well, I think it'd be a different matter. This would not be impeachment over the prior impeachment, which related to Trump's extortion of 
the president of Ukraine. But I think a, a, a very possible basis for impeachment would be uh, clemency for Roger Stone. Uh, there is um, language at the time of the Constitution from James Madison that that if uh, he was discussing the impeachment clause and he said that if the president uh, be connected in any suspicious manner with any persons and there be grounds to that he shelter himself, the House of Representatives can impeach him. I mean, that seems exactly like what was going on with Roger Stone. I'm going to uh, pardon or commute your sentence in exchange for your uh, silence when you could have implicated me. Um, I think that there is a basis uh, for at least investigating Trump's involvement in the Russian bounties on U.S. service members, um, that if there is a vigorous investigation, uh, could lead somewhere. So I, I just think that the House should not be shying away from impeachment investigations now if they are otherwise meritorious just because, well, we've got the election anyway and that'll take care of everything. That'll take care of removing President Trump from office. It won't take care of preventing him from coming back in 2024 uh, and poisoning that office once again. Mm, yeah. And, and with regards to this, this, you know, to Roger Stone and that commutation during Barr's confirmation hearing, Senator Leahy even asked him if, if that this exact scenario would be illegal. And Barr testified that would be illegal. And so you've even got it coming from, you know, within the within the president's own Department of Justice, which I think seems to would, you know, like you said, offer this kind of a an opportunity for Republican senators to abandon ship. Now, what about if I mean, there's other complex factors here at work, too. Um, you know, you throw in the wrench there that I discussed yesterday with Frank Fogluzzi that, you know, Trump might contest the election results and that could factor in. But if Trump also wins and hangs on to the presidency, another reason to yet impeach him. Yes, certainly. I mean, if if he hangs on and wins, that probably makes it for an even more compelling case. Um, but, uh, you know, my argument is even if he loses, don't think you're rid of him just yet. Um, he, he, he may come back. You know, we, we saw this happen once before with Grover Cleveland. Um, you know, the Constitution says that uh, a president is limited to serving uh, two terms, but it does not say that those terms must be consecutive. And so just as Grover Cleveland did, you know, he was both the 22nd and the 24th president. He got voted out and then he ran again after four years and was uh, reelected. So, um, you know, this this country can um, swing dramatically like a pendulum back and forth. We went from President Obama to President Trump. Um, even if we are to vote for President Biden uh, this fall, you never know what might be going on in the country in 2024. President Trump is uh, very effective at uh, sowing discord in our country. And if he were to be successful in doing that again, um, who knows what damage he could do to our institutions. Yeah, I don't suppose there's anything in the Constitution that bars an impeached president's adult large children from running for <laughs> office, is there? <laughs> there is not. I would take a constitutional amendment. Ah, oh, well. <laughs> um, one quick question before I let you go, because you are the expert here. Um, Supreme Court order just hit the social medias. And it it, it seems like it's, uh, it's, you know, yesterday we had the hearing in the Trump-Vance case, and they set a very aggressive schedule. They said by July 24th, Trump had to have his new, you know, bullshit excuse for why he shouldn't have to, you know, why he should be 
not have to turn over these documents, you know, via Mazars, you know. Uh, and then uh, shortly after that, Vance's reply or motion to dismiss is due. Everything is due. The fine, then a reply, and then another reply. The latest on August fourteenth. That's a very aggressive schedule. Normally, there's a twenty-five day delay between the Supreme Court making a decision and it being kicked down to the courts. And there was an order saying uh, that Vance applied for and apparently Trump consented to. It said you can go ahead and immediately uh, start this case. Uh, and I was wondering why we are just seeing that order today. Is it just delayed or just takes a minute to come out. And what exactly that order is allowing Supreme Court or allowing the circuit court to do in this case to, to hold the hearing yesterday or to set the aggressive schedule or both? Yeah, you know, typically you have to wait for the mandate to issue before the court can do anything. And so in this case, it goes to the Second Circuit. And the, the, the place where they had the hearing yesterday was actually the court even below that one, which is the district court. And so um, the court, what the court did yesterday really was have kind of a scheduling conference where they just brought all the parties together. I don't know that they had uh, the mandate to actually take any action or issue any orders, but it really was, let's get together and come up with our, our plan on this. And so um, I think that judge was just getting ahead of the orders. Um, but there's nothing that could would stop him from just gathering the parties to uh, discuss the schedule. And he didn't really take mm. any action. Um, so I think he was um, indicating that he's eager to push things quickly uh, because I think he is trying to prevent a miscarriage of justice from allowing President Trump to further stall and delay things. I think he wants to get uh, Cyrus Vance's documents as soon as reasonably possible. Okay, so that order I see from the Supreme Court was allowing the Second Circuit to go ahead and do this. And the, the hearing we had yesterday was in the lower court, the district court. And uh, what sort of, once all those things are in and the district court makes a ruling, does it automatically go to the Second Circuit? I mean, I guess, what, it, what does it look like from here? Because it looks like the SCOTUS is saying it should end up in the Second Circuit. Yeah, it, they send down to the Second Circuit. The Second Circuit, in turn, will probably hand down to the district court. But ultimately, where, where it'll be whatever new objections Trump raises will occur in the district court. I'm sure he will. He even indicated yesterday that he's not sure which ones just yet, mm. but you, you can bet he will. <laughs> and so he will litigate there first, but then he does perhaps depending on the issue, have the right to then appeal that back up to the second circuit. And so it, it's, it's for those reasons that I know some people think that it's possible that we'll see these documents before the election. I don't think so because I think mm. whatever gets decided in the district court. Um, I think if there's any kind of privilege issue, constitutional issue, or there's an argument even that just because it's the president, he has the ability to appeal that issue um, in an in, in interlocutory appeal. So I think um, he, he will um, continue to stall first at the district court and then possibly again at the Second Circuit. <laughs> now, Ken, if, you know, since this is a new set of excuses that he'll have to come up with, his blanket immunity doesn't work. That was decided by SCOTUS. Can he, when he has new, when he has new reasons, can he go back up uh, all the way to the Supreme Court or is, is it, does it capped at the circuit court? Yeah. Um, yes, he could go back all the way up to the Supreme Court. It seems unlikely that there would be a question that's appropriate for the Supreme Court, though. You know, they, they tend to take questions of uh, first impression, things that are not decided or circuit split. My guess is that these would be more fact questions as opposed to novel legal questions. So, for example, one thing he could say is that there are certain documents that are protected by privilege that are in the hands of his accountant. Um, that, that may have to be litigated because there's some argument that they're waived if they're in the hands of a third party. On the other hand, if the accountant is part of the legal team, you could make an argument that they are 
um, protected by the privilege. But those are like more likely to be fact questions that can be resolved either at the district court or at the court of appeals. And it seems unlikely that you need the Supreme Court to um, to resolve it. I, I suppose it's possible if he comes up with some new completely novel theory hmm. that is worthy of the consideration of the Supreme Court. But what they said in their last opinion is, um, you know, we've decided this novel issue of whether the president has absolute immunity, and he is now free to raise sort of the same garden variety uh, types of objections that anyone can raise with regard to a subpoena, and that would be things like privilege, um, overbreadth, burdensome, or burdensome. yeah, yeah, yeah th- those kind of things. And those tend to be more fact-based, uh, mm. you know, uh, looking spe- at the very specific request. Are you asking for millions of documents? Mm-hmm. Um, does this re- is this only hundreds of documents? Does it go back too far? Um, does it involve too many specific entities? Uh, you know, those kinds of questions are the kinds of things. So. I'd be surprised to see it go back to the Supreme Court, but I think there's a chance it could go to the Second Circuit. Yeah, and I don't think he could win on that either because it's Mazars who has to do this. The burden isn't on him, and so it therefore can't interfere with his Article 2 shit. But yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess he could. I mean, his only tactic here is to delay. So even if the Supreme Court probably won't hear it, that doesn't stop him from appealing to it and waiting for the decision and then going back down, you know, adding the time. That's right. Yep, that's right. I I think he'll do anything he can to stall. (laughs) All right. Well, we will see. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate you clearing all that up because I was confused and you have clarified it for me. That is your... That is what makes you a national treasure. Barb McQuaid, former U.S. attorney, MSNBC legal analyst. Thanks again. Thanks so much, E.G. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go away. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG. Like most people, I'm trying to be safe by socially distancing, working from home, reducing unnecessary trips out. If you're like me and trying to avoid the crowds in grocery stores, I recommend trying Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door, and it's a perfect, tasty solution for COVID. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient because everything is pre-portioned, ready to prep and cook, and you can enjoy your dinner full of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 50 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from, so you can try Hwasan steak strip lettuce cups with pickled daikon and carrots, or black bean tostadas diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole, or roasted salmon with miso-glazed eggplant. And you can order from any recipes across their menu, or skip a week if you need to, or double up on your favorites. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest level uh, levels of food and employee safety. They, are, they reinforce strict adherence to operating procedures and have even increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers in order to protect you, your family, and their employees. And right now, Sunbasket Basket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and don't forget to enter promo code dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And joining me today for the Good News Block is Amanda Reeder. Hey, Mandy, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I did. I uh, I uh, watched the terrible new live-action Aladdin movie, and um, <laughs> I jumped in the ocean this morning. Um, so that was my quarantine weekend. Oh, nice. The new live-action nice? Disney's you... are... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, would, I was going to ask how your swim went. 
it was nice. I didn't really swim. I just kind of wanted to dip my toes in and I was just to go get some fresh air for a minute. There was quite a few people there. So I left pretty quickly. The beaches in San Diego, like really wildly vary between which ones are kind of comfortable and which ones have too many tourists. And I've learned Pacific Beach, too many people for safe distances, but Coronado Beach, very good for safe distance. Yeah, it's more Coronado is more of a local's beach. So makes sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And the live action Disney movies are really weird, dude. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about it. But Will Smith was a pretty (laughs) funny genie in Aladdin. But overall, weird. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So it's on my list. It's not up at the top of it, but it's on it. It wasn't really high on my list either. But uh, now it's happened. So I guess I can have an opinion. (laughs) (laughs) um should we jump into some good news we have a couple stories here today yeah yeah let me let me kick this off this first news good news story comes from Stuart. uh pronouns he him and Stuart says six years ago this coming tuesday i went on an amazing first date with a brilliant woman who is now my life partner four years ago we moved to savannah georgia because she got a job as a tenure track professor after 12 years of being an adjunct and oddly i landed my dream job as the distiller in a startup distillery. Awesome. Uh, This is a position that I dropped my old career for in my early 40s and worked for years to get. Now, bourbon takes time in the barrel for it to be any good, so I haven't had the chance to make a production blend of my work uh, and put it in a bottle until now. This Tuesday, uh, I will crack the seal of the first bottle of whiskey I made to toast that wonderful professor as as we get hitched. Uh, living in Savannah has been, Aww. I know, has been hard uh, as a 50-year-old diabetic. Governor Kemp has visited my workplace, touting the hand sanitizer that I made, working late nights to avoid contact with my coworkers for his political gain. Yet, he is actively lowering the chances for me and every other resident of this state staying alive and healthy. There are so few things to look forward to these days that Tuesday will feel so much more special. Thanks for keeping me informed uh, for the last couple of years, and please forgive me for not listening to Tuesday's show. That's okay. <laughs> well, congratulations that you're getting married and that you're drinking your own freaking bourbon at your wedding. I know. I know. It's so, so cool. awesome. Um, congratulations. That's going to be aw- I love it when things come together like that. Like the day I started my work for the um, for the federal government was – January 20th, uh, 2009. It was Inauguration Day for Obama. Um, we took the executive oath of office on the same day. He's the one who inspired me to get the job and go back to work for the public good. And and it was also my birthday. So it's just kind of cool when those things sort of line up. So congratulations and what an awesome Tuesday. I'll make sure to have a really boring show on Tuesday so that you don't miss much. <laughs> yeah, we'll stop all news for 24 hours so that you don't lose track of anything. We promise. <laughs> you get a hold of the White House. Shut it down. Shut it down. Yep. We, we exactly. can't have any news on Tuesday. <laughs> no, no, no news on Tuesdays. Um, <laughs> Okay. The next one is from Mary Beth. She, her, and Mary Beth says, I'm not sure how I landed on lists for Trump. Oh, God. I'm glad I don't get his emails in my inbox. But I received an email invite to contribute to his campaign and, quote unquote, join an exclusive virtual fundraiser for the Orange Menace. I was able to reply with, not sure why I'm on your list, but you should be in jail. You're a con artist and a criminal. Go Biden! Three exclamation points. This probably won't be seen by anyone at all, let alone anyone of consequence, but it felt good nonetheless. <laughs> the orange menace. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't think I'd heard him. I don't think I've heard him uh, referred to as the orange menace yet. I like it. 
it fits. Yeah, that's a new one. Speaking of which, do you get all of the, uh, on YouTube, like the Trump uh, campaign ads and stuff? They're so weird. They're like, do you approve of Trump? Like, yeah, it's such a strange question. Like, in what context? Like, could you give yeah. me some more context? <laughs> Just do like, you approve of Trump? Like of babysitting an infant or uh, <laughs> to prove of him doing what? <laughs> Existing? <No. laughs> the answer is no. Yeah, um, not so much. Well, thanks. Thank you, Mary Beth, for that. That's good. And uh, next up we have from Anonymous, he, him. Hello, bean comrades. Bean rads? I don't know. Uh, I'm a little nervous to share this story because it's a a very small victory. After 30 years of living and saying things like, well, everyone is a little bisexual, I've finally been able to understand my own sexuality and realize that when I'd say everyone, that what I was really saying is me. I'm bisexual. I have to start figuring out how and when to talk to my family about it. I don't know much how much it will change about my life. I'm in a committed opposite gender relationship that's produced one very sweet baby, which I have no intention of leaving. But I figured, fuck it, you only get one shot at living, so it's best to be honest with yourself about who you are. I realize that's like half of an Eminem lyric, but that's fine, I guess. Thank you for all you do. <laughs> you are all absolute rock stars. I hope this small personal victory counts as good news. Hopefully I can write back soon with a better story about coming out to family and friends. That's really, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so great. Congratulations. And, and you know, um, be strong if you get some answers that you don't like, because I first came out as, as a bisexual person in a committed and opposite gender relationship, not saying your very sweet spouse will do that, but um, the parents of my very sweet ex-boyfriend or uh, family members, not parents rather, were not so kind and said, mm-hmm. since you are in a straight relationship, maybe you could just be quiet. Um, so... Congratulations, and I'm glad you're being brave with yourself. This definitely counts as good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with other people. Go you. Um, should we do the next one from Heidi? Yeah. Sweet. Heidi says, hello, I'm a longtime patron, uh, pronoun she, her. Thank you for being a patron, Heidi. We love all of our patrons. Um, I haven't taken the time until now to tell you, AG, Jordan, and Mandy, how thankful I am for your hours of research and advocacy for what is right and true. Aw, sharing in your outrage and banter gets me through the day, but my favorite part of the pod is Jordan's big laugh. How thrilled I was to realize that my 15-year-old has the same big ha-ha-ha laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I live for Jordan's laugh. I I mean, her jokes jokes are gold, but when I make her laugh, because I think she's so much funnier than I am, and then you get that laugh out of her, it's just, it's... It's everything. So I feel you. Yeah, she's great. And that's really cute that you wrote in about that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Next up from Allie, pronouns she, her. Uh, I've been a fan for a few years now, and you're also amazing. You deliver such detailed information in a clear, fun, and understandable way. You let me be a news and political rock star at work, and it's super satisfying to have my supervisor, who I despise greatly, come to me to ask me questions about politics. <laughs> 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 I have two good news items. Number one, my husband isn't super into the news or politics, but always listens when I start telling him about things I've learned from your podcast. He uh, he is friends with some of the people that have recently been espousing petty racist views online and to him via text uh, and has become very vocal in his dissent against them. He calls them out on their bullshit. He backs up his arguments with facts and he makes very clear that their opinion is bigoted, stupid and not founded in any kind of truth. He's actively anti-racist, and I'm so proud of him for calling out people he has been friends with for over 20 years. Wow. Hopefully they see Mm -hmm. the light, and I know he won't stop calling them out as long as they're acting like idiots. (laughs) Awesome. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Number two, that's the thing, right? You can't be silent. Silence is complicity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, quarantine got me feeling creative. So I started my own series of short stories called Seasons of Suspense. Awesome. And I started my own podcast. Yay. Uh, I'm rewatching Seinfeld and recapping it, plus discussing how the show would be different if it were set today based on technology and society. The website is called jackaltopiamedia.com, and the podcast is called Yeah, That's Right. My husband edits and produces it, and it's been fun collaborating with him, even though he points out and cuts out how I say and way too many times. LOL. <laughs> Thanks so much for everything you do. I look forward to hearing your podcast every morning and love starting the day informed and with a laugh. Cheers. Oh, that's yay. great. Sweet. A couple more here. The next one is from Rob. He, him. Uh, Rob says, I'm saving the post office one stamp at a time. I've decided to overstamp my mail from now on. I have bought uh-huh. some two cents. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to overdo it. I've bought some two cent stamps that I'm applying to my mail. In addition to the forever stamps, if we get the post office more money, they cannot argue that they are running at a loss. Hashtag overstamp. Nice. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. That's a pretty good, uh, that's a, that's a good method. Buy all of the stamps. Yes, by want all the ham. Yes, by all the stamps. I love it. Um, good job. We, I mean, you know, got to do each little bit of thing that you can do um, to make a difference. And I think that that's a good one. We shall do that. Next up from Karen, pronoun she, her. Hello, ladies. I have a few good news items here in Scotland. We have had one full week of no COVID deaths. Lockdown is slowly lifting with this week seeing hairdressers and indoor areas reopening. Today, myself and my family went on a day trip to Callender, which is a lovely Scottish tourist town. We had our picnic, climbed a hill, bought some books and badges, finished off with ice cream and coffee at the local cafe, not Starbucks. We plan on doing something similar next week, but a trip uh, to Inverary instead. Google it. It's very picturesque. Before I return to work after furlough and kids return to school in a few weeks, it was beautiful to take in the Scottish countryside, air and scenery. We all appreciated the opportunity more than ever before. The best part was giving back to the local community by spending our money in the local shops and boutiques, which really rely heavily on tourism. I hope the rest of the world can soon have glimmers of hope like this in an awful pandemic. Thankfully, Scotland has progressed out of lockdown quickly while being led by a sensible female first minister. I wish the rest of the world could have that benefit. Take care, ladies. We wish that too, Karen. (laughs) We agree with you, Karen. We need more Nicola Sturgeons and more Jacinda Arderns. Did I say that correctly? Jacinda uh, Ardern? Yes, more of those. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, All right. We have one more. And uh, you might know this person. I haven't been as active in the Animal Crossing Discord lately, but I'm soon going to be. Uh, Autumn from Lauren. I'm guessing Lauren is the name of her island. But anyway, from Autumn from Lauren from the Animal Crossing Discord, she, her. Uh, I woke up this morning to find that the hashtag dogs for Biden is trending on Twitter. So many wonderful pups. Now if we can just get cats for Biden trending too. Uh, I have two quarantine foster fails. Is that a typo? <laughs> I read that just like Jordan would. Exactly oh, like Jordan uh, no. Would. No, a foster fail is, is somebody who, like if somebody fosters the animal and they return him to the shelter. Oh, okay. Uh, it says, yeah. or maybe that's foster fails in, in terms of she kept them forever because it was supposed to be a foster. It says, I have yes, two quarantine that, foster that is fails a... and an ornery old man cat ready to support Uncle Joe. That is correct. You are right. I am wrong. It, a foster fail is when you foster an animal and then you fail to return it or fail to adopt it to <laughs> someone else. I mean, I guess that could go either way, right? Well, I thought it was like if you fail at fostering, then you give it, you give the animal back to the shelter. But failing at fostering can mean you end up keeping it and not, not fostering it to another, like 
permanent home. You Your home becomes their permanent home. So that I like better. What if we made it toe beans for Biden? That's a better mm, one. Toe beans for Very Biden. Very specific. Does Biden have cats? <laughs> Um, I don't I think he has a dog. I think he has like a Yeah, he's got a giant dog named Major, but I don't know if he has any cats. I don't know. Maybe he needs one. Because then here's the thing. Then then you can get the dog people and the cat people. Mm. Mm-hmm. That would be unite the country. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We don't need to divide us. <laughs> unite the cat people and the dog people. <laughs> It's really funny. I have a sister who has a, a, been like a cat person her whole life. And just recently, she started dating someone with a dog. And she t- has been texting me like, ah, I feel like I'm crossing over to the dark side. I think I might really like this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we uh, cat people and dog people need to come together. We can't be divided anymore as a country into cat people and dog no. people. Yeah. Um, no. Pod pets all around. We're all American. <laughs> yeah, or oxalotals. Just kidding. I'm not. But well, close. Well, you you are you have you have a green card. You're here. That's true. I'm almost American. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that my history teacher taught us. She says the the thing about America is anyone can come to America and be an American. That's not true for any other country. So, mm-hmm. hell yeah. Uh, yay! Good news. Did you need that today? I did. I really did. Mm-hmm. We've had a, a weekend of just insane news, as you as you have gathered from the first two blocks of the show. So I was really, I'm really glad to have this good news. If you guys have more good news, send it to us. We have multiple ways you can mm-hmm. send it in. You can go to dailybeanspod.com and click contact. You can go to our Twitter account at dailybeanspod. I believe there's a pinned tweet there where you can submit stuff. And um, yep. also submit your quarantine confessions. We'll gather them up for this week. And uh, again, if you want to sponsor a patron, we still have that program going. We've got a few people on the waiting list. So you can do that at the website as well. It's on the front page. You just scroll down to the bottom and it's really there. Really big uh, patron sponsoring patrons. So uh, thank you very much. Do you have any final thoughts, Mandy? Uh, no final thoughts. Just have a great week, everyone. Hang in there. And uh, thanks so much for, for supporting the show. Fun to hang out with a uh, more of you uh, at the uh, at the happy hour last week once again. Yes, that was much much fun. So thank you all for attending, and everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, uh, you know, do the thing that I always tell you to do. <laughs> take care of each. <laughs> take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. That was a weird segue. Do the things I tell you to do. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it, okay? I say it enough. You know. I shouldn't have to tell you again. You know what it is. (laughs) Insert tagline here. Yes, exactly. All right. Happy Monday, everybody. I've been AG. I've been Amanda Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reader. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>